Hello. This is Kyle McAvoy. And this is Candace Birch. And today we will be mapping menopause on the 15 minute matrix. Welcome to the 15-Minute Matrix. I'm Andrea Nakayama, functional medicine nutritionist and your host. This is the podcast that brings you bite-sized insights and lessons on the clinical relevance of the functional nutrition matrix, the most important tool in functional medicine and functional nutrition. The matrix is so important not only because it causes us to stop and assess, but also because it reminds us of three very important factors in our care recommendations and outcomes. Everything is connected, we are all unique and all things matter. Be sure to head over to this episode's show notes at 15minutematrix.com if you'd like to see today's topic mapped on a downloadable matrix to remind you of these critical aspects of care. Today on the 15 Minute Matrix, we have a first as I'll be talking with both Kyle McAvoy and Candace Birch. These two are co-creators and producers of the blog Menopausibilities and the podcast, Women Talking Frankly, WTF. Kyle has been a certified women's healthcare nurse practitioner for 32 years and has a passion for helping women of all ages and backgrounds achieve hormone balance and health-related goals. Kyle has been on my own personal healthcare team for the past decade. She's a huge advocate for integrative and functional interventions and a great partner. Candace Birch's chosen career as a health educator, journalist, and women's health advocate is a journey spanning two continents over 30 years. As a founding member of Women in Balance, one of the first nonprofits in the country to advocate for women's hormone health, Candace helped to raise public awareness at a national level and lobbied senators on Capitol Hill for safe access to bioidentical alternatives to HRT. Always on her soapbox, Candace's work continues as a public speaker, hormone health educator, and private consultant. She has counseled countless women and men on all things hormonal. So let's get this menopause party started. Kyle and Candace, welcome to the 15 Minute Matrix. We've never done a threesome. How fun is this going to be? <laughs> so we're talking about menopause today and the topic of menopause. It's talked about more openly these days. It's even joked about, but there's still a lot of confusion about what the term means. Can you guys set the record straight with a clear definition of menopause? I was going to say, interestingly, menopause, there are something like 27 million women in this country between the ages of 45 and 64 who are now experiencing menopause, which is defined wow. as 12 sequential months without a period. I mean, that's kind of the official designation. If you haven't had a period for 12 months in a row, you are officially in menopause. And generally that occurs around, on average, age 51. Latest estimates, actually from the American College of Obstetrics and uh, Obstetricians and Gynecologists, estimate that 6,000 women are moving into menopause every day. That's an estimated 2 million women a year. 
And I just want to jump in. This is Kyle. Um, another definition of menopause, and this happens to younger women, is if they have their ovaries removed. So that can oh, put yeah. you into surgical menopause. Right. So there's, and then there's a the time period of perimenopause, which is a time that is about ten to fifteen years before the actual menopause time, and that can be the time of up, you know, a lot of hormonal upheaval, imbalance. And a lot of women say, well, I'm done with menopause. What we always say to them, no, you're not. Menopause is the rest of your life. So you're never done with menopause. I really love that look at both uh, the the perimenopause and the menopause and that distinction. I think that's where there's a lot of confusion. And I want to put perimenopause aside today and give menopause its due diligence, right? So all of us can relate to let's really dive into that menopause and what that means for the rest of our lives. If we think about what I call the story or what we look at on the left side of the matrix, are there antecedents for what menopause is going to look like? Can we look to mom and say it's going to happen about the same time? It's going to look about the same or no? I think that you, we thought that when I was in nurse practitioner school, we were told that we could look at the mom. And I do think there's probably some genetic link. But one of the problems is, is that our environment has changed right. so much. So I think the environmental factors are changing and women are going, young girls are going through puberty younger. So I think a lot of women are going through menopause younger. And the other issue is a lot of women have, have had hysterectomies and they don't know when their moms have had menopause. So there's that lack of looking back as well. And there's going to be triggers, right? Like different triggers that we have, like you said, with our environmental exposures that our moms just didn't have. Exactly. And also things like smoking will impact, uh, will accelerate when you uh, become menopausal, um, obesity, environmental toxins. Those are all going to have huge impacts. Stress. I mean, I think we can say that there's a lot of things that have changed in our world compared to our mom's worlds. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a, there's an abundance of stress, especially right. now. I remember when I was working at ZRT Hormone Testing Labs, we, back when the Twin Towers came down, mm. started noticing that, that cortisol levels, um, that we were measuring diurnal cortisol levels throughout the day um, to, to look at full adrenal function, were really becoming more wonky in many people, you know, where instead of having the proper diurnal curve, which should be cortisol awakening response in the morning, where levels are should be highest and then gradually dropping throughout the day to the lowest point at night we were seeing very low levels in the morning and high levels at night and and sort of you know very erratic sort of patterns of cortisol with a whole raft of symptoms to go along with it and and also noticing that in younger and younger women not just you know at mm -hmm. mid in their mid 40s when is that's kind of when we look to see changes yes we do that's when we start to see major hormonal shifts in the mid 40s and it's you know not till that age of 51 that you're officially menopausal but um it starts a good 10 years before really yeah. and to your point with, andrea i think that um our moms probably didn't talk about menopause a lot our grandparents right. Our mothers definitely didn't. And a lot of women, even our age and younger, are just starting to wake up to, I don't feel good. And I want to talk about it. And I don't even know where to go. 
Yeah, it's interesting. I was thinking about how in functional nutrition, we kind of deal with the 20% versus the 80%, right? We're dealing with the people who maybe aren't finding the answers in Mm -hmm. their standard care. And what I was thinking about just this past weekend, actually, is that when we start to hit these hormonal issues during or pre-menopause or during menopause, that 80-20 kind of shifts to 50-50 or 60-40 or 70-30, right? Like once we, right, exactly, 80 or 20-80, right? It shifts because we all become part of the population, even if we didn't have pre-existing conditions, which is almost rare for women these days, but we become part of the population that's having some sort of chronic complaint that is harder to manage. Yes. And I think something like 80 to 85% of women actually do experience hot flashes and night sweats Mm -hmm. and insomnia. And those are very life disrupting. Have someone who has had it myself, Candace has as well. Those become untenable. Your life quality, you know, goes down very quickly. First thing to go is sleep. You you can't, (laughs) then you can't handle stress and then everything becomes hard. It's like, you know, it's having almost like having chronic pain, you become less patient. So like you said, Andrea, I think most women do feel something. There's a few women on this planet that are very lucky that never have PMS and they never have menopausal symptoms, but they're, I think they're far and few between for all. I was, I've been a nurse practitioner for 30 something years. And I would say that most women have symptoms. (laughs) So let's talk about those symptoms and then let's go inside the body a little bit. So you said sleep and, you know, for me, sleep is a non-negotiable when I talk to clients and also students, we have to think about sleep poop and blood sugar balance. And those are all going to be impacted here. What else is impacted when we hit this period or in time? I think one of the top ones I would say is a mood change, Mm. mood people in, in, in your moods. People get depressed. They get anxious. Belly fat is another big one that we hear. Um, well, I was going to say, I was going to chime in and say irritability. Um, but one of the things I, I wanted to say too, is that a lot of women, as they get belly fat and they gain weight, as they get older and into menopause, metabolism is certainly going down. There's a whole big relationship between menopause and thyroid issues. Right. Um, Lack of libido, uh, vaginal dryness, uh, pain with intercourse, mm -hmm. I would say. UTIs. uh, More bladder infections. Um, What else? Well, there's a ton of them. I can just go on. Oh, foggy thinking. Mm -hmm. I'm having foggy thinking myself. Memory changes. I just can't. Memory lapses. They walk into the room and say, what am I doing here? (laughs) That's a famous one. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I think those are I would say the primary ones I'm thinking. And besides belly fat, it's overall weight gain too. Weight gain is just a big bugaboo. Women who are constantly saying, I never had a weight problem and now I cannot budge this weight. And there is an estrogen dominance pattern of fat distribution that's in the hips, thighs, bottom, which is really besides that. And then the cortisol associated weight gain around the waist between those two double whammy. And then the other thing I think we can also mention is because of the um, insomnia, women are tired. Yeah. Uh, Fatigue is a huge one. And just inability to function. Uh, The thing I, you know, we can say as women, all three, is we all know as women that we are multitaskers and we're extraordinary at that. And I think when we get older and we get to perimenopause and menopause, suddenly we find we can't hold all the balls in the air anymore. It's just impossible. We can't do it. And so, and we also lack confidence Mm -hmm. and the ability to build muscle. 
working out, people say, you know, I, I work out, but I just don't have the same stamina that I used to. So there's a lot of stuff going on. Because there's so many decline, like it just declining, that strength declining and hormones. stamina makes me think also another one is bone loss, you know, right. from, exactly. that's the big one. And that's an interesting one because that's often more common with women whose whose levels may be lower, especially estrogen, than they are high. But we see both low estrogen and yep. high estrogen in women in menopause and with different accompanying symptoms. And I think most people think of um, menopause as declining estrogen. And what we've learned is that uh, primarily progesterone drops first. Exactly. To the belly fat, the anxiety, um, the mood changes, low libido. And then you have a lowering of testosterone, DHEA. Those are going to lead to like lean, uh, like bone density changes, lean muscle mass loss, um, poor concentration, irritability, low Mental memory. clarity is, yeah. is really hit. That's where you can And go. estrogen is like the last thing to go, especially if a woman is obese or has extra body fat. Yep. We'll see that, um, that they, their estrogen levels will actually stay quite high, and um, that will be sometimes a saving grace for them in terms of symptoms, but it's not a good thing. Well, what's interesting, too, about excess body fat is that, as you know, I'm sure, Andrea, that there's an enzyme in fat cells called yep. aromatase, yep. and that enzyme is very good at converting testosterone into estrogen. So that's one way women lose their testosterone levels as well, because there's high conversion in the fat cells to even more estrogen. So now we've got, you know, more body fat, poor body image, lack of drive, lack of libido. And, you know, it all goes along with that loss of our bioavailable testosterone. Yeah. Well, I love that you took us right into the hormone area and talked about the estrogen dominance, the progesterone dropping first, because I know there can be confusion between low estrogen. Low estrogen doesn't mean that you're not still estrogen dominant because of the relationship with the progesterone and of course the testosterone. The aromatization is so important to talk about. This all sounds like doom and gloom. So I'm wondering if we can talk to our coaches and clinicians about how we help people through this phase and stage of life. So I think, you know, in my practice, I had switched over to <clears throat> doing saliva testing about, I'd say, 20 years ago. And it was a life changer for me as a clinician because, you know, blood testing has its merits and its value in certain areas. But with hormone balance, it doesn't quite measure the nuances and right. the ratio of the, of the levels of hormones. And like you said, a woman can be feeling like she's estrogen deficient, but she's really estrogen dominant. So I would look at the level, the relationship of her estrogen to her progesterone, her DHEA to her testosterone. And I would look at a diurnal cortisol throughout the day. And then I would offer her various strategies for um, improving her function. And a lot of that would uh, entail like bioidentical hormones. I'm, I'm, I'm a big advocate of only bioidentical hormones are the safe ones. And also adrenal mm. support. I would also look at their, I mean, a lot of women at this age are, are experiencing low thyroid symptoms. So I would do a very uh, you know, in-depth analysis of her thyroid hormones, looking at all four indicators, TSH, free T3, free T4, thyroid antibodies. I would mm -hmm. look at vitamin D, yep. ferritin, B12. And then I would attack all of those and I would sit down with them and give them their choices. And most women, by the time they come to see a provider like me, they're on board yeah. and they, they want to feel better. And they, and I would also discuss with them their health risks, you know, yeah. the health of osteoporosis, cardiac disease, dementia, and, you know, and colon cancer and all of those things are improved with me when you go on bioidentical hormones. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's important to define bioidenticals, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, your audience probably knows what they are, but I just had a client, and I'm different than Kyle. I'm actually a health educator, and um, I don't prescribe. I simply help people understand what test, what their saliva test results mean. I use saliva because I had that's my area of expertise. But interpreting interpreting um, saliva results is so much more relevant to symptoms. You can really correlate, you know, identify the imbalances as you were talking about, Kyle. Ratios, right? Ratios. Help you identify the different specific imbalances that someone has, and then you can tie them into the symptoms that they're suffering from. And there are so many natural approaches to balancing and rebalancing hormones. And it certainly gets into bioidenticals, which women need to insist on. And I think most women in menopause do need, you know, I always say, hey, we used to live to be 50 100 years ago, so it didn't matter. But now we're living to be 95. I mean, my mother died at 92. We have another third of our lives to go. And since hormones kind of rule and, and govern our physical, emotional, mental function, how do you go for another 30 years you, without a little bit of hormone, you know, topping up with some bioidentical? Think of it as nutrition that you don't get in your foods. Or, and, or I would tell people, you know, it's like if you lose your thyroid hormones, I would replace those. If you lose exactly. your replace that. You know, we have to look at it's it in, in a, it's a different paradigm, uh, how you look at this now. Like Candace said, you know, my mother lived to be 95, and she did not go on hormones, and she had horrible osteoporosis. Yep. She, you know, it, so it was debilitating for mm-hmm. her. So I saw that, and I think that women need to know that moving forward, you can move forward. And many women choose not to go on hormones, and you can do other things, and you can support them. And some women cannot go on hormones. So there's lots of strategies, nutritional strategies. There's yes. over-the-counter supplements, and we'll never forget any of that because I think those are absolutely key as well. But the hormones give you that they replace. They, it's a replenishment. It's a restoration of your basic hormone balance. And each woman is unique, and that's why the testing. I always tell people, you know, you can always, the old guess and treat. Well, guess and treat, no. you're not be right. I want to be right most yes. of the time. Yeah. So the guessing and treating was easier when doctors used the standard one-size-fits-all dose. Yeah. Yeah. And, and with this testing, you're individualizing that, that dose of hormones so that you're using the minimal effective, the least effective dose, the Goldilocks dose. Right. And that's that. That's where it gets into really personalizing this, and women feel so much better because yeah. we're not just doing the same thing for everybody. Yeah, I was trained to do medicine in a box, box right. on the shelf, which which this drug rep left the samples, and I pivoted from that a long time because mm-hmm. I found myself, um, you know, becoming a slave to the the pharmaceutical reps coming in and telling me what the best drug was, and I thought, what. A- wait a minute, I went to school for this. And suddenly I learned, no, this is a pivot, a big pivot for me and, and learned how to, like Candace said, individualize my treatment to each patient. Yeah, so brilliantly shared. And you know, I'm just gonna take us a little bit more to the right side of the matrix. And I love, Kyle, that you're talking about test, don't guess. And Candace, that you are a health educator. A lot of people in this community are health advocates, aspiring practitioners, health educators. So really being able to use the information as a tool to help with lifestyle factors and with the management of their providers. We often have to educate people to go back into a medical office if they're not so lucky to have a nurse practitioner like Kyle and bring forward the appropriate questions. The right side of our matrix is sleep and relaxation, exercise and movement, nutrition and hydration, stress and resilience, relationships and networks. And these are key 
And I know with my own hot flashes, when I brought it back to my blood sugar management and my cortisol levels, which I think of as the base of our hormone cascade. So menopause is being affected at the top of the pyramid. When we get to that base, we can really start to provide a shift for people. I don't know if you agree with that, but for me, that was key in mm-hmm. managing my hot flashes, manage my blood sugar, manage my stress. Not that that's always easy, either one, but that's when the hot flashes came into control. I would agree with that. And I would say, you know, we all, a lot of us love our glass of wine, but red wine can be absolutely indicated in terms of causing an effect of worse hot flashes, mm-hmm. worse night sweats. And, and in, 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 along with that, hydration is extremely important. Yes. Make sure you drink a lot of water. Um, exercise will help with stress. It will help with confidence. It will help with bone density. Um, it'll help with, you know, relaxation. When you exercise, you're able to sleep better. I think all of these things can be dealt with head on with nutrition, eating a well-balanced diet, eating clean, you know, trying to eat like, you know, pure foods, stay away from foods with that have pesticides and, you know, try to eat organically whenever you can, because we know that a lot of the, uh, the additives in food are hormone disruptors. Exactly. So those are really important. Yeah, I would say also just a caveat about exercise. Um, many of the menopausal women that I speak to are desperate to lose that weight. Yes. So they're, in the, you know, and they're diet. They're they've tried every diet. It's not working. They're in the gym constantly. Well, maybe they're not now with COVID, but you know, they they Home there's gym. a lot. There, <laughs> right? <laughs> there's a lot of obsessive exercise yes. going on. And that causes more stress. It causes more stress. It destabilizes blood sugar. And, you know, that I think what you were talking about, stress and all of these things come down to supporting the adrenals, which is particularly important in menopause because, you know, the adrenals are picking up the slack from the ovarian uh, Mm -hmm. as the ovaries wane and there's no more ovarian production. Um, the adrenals have to pick that up besides regulating our blood sugar and the uh, immunities and our sleep wake cycle. They've got a huge job to do and they get, you know, they get wiped, uh, especially when people do too much exercise, aren't sleeping because they're having hot flashes, which are worsened by excess stress. And I just one point about diet. I think plant-based diets are great. Clean eating is wonderful. But if you don't, many people I've talked to that are plant-based are not getting enough good protein and good fats. They're more carb-based. And that becomes a real problem with blood sugar imbalances as well. Yeah, beautifully said. And I think a lot of people now are following extreme diets as well. We have to be careful with some of them. Like I think some of the keto, paleo, although they have their merits, also have their demerits. So I like I really feel like a Mediterranean diet is a much more solid way to go. That's just my own, um, you know. I think that's been studied very well, actually. Yeah. So I think um, in terms of diet, those are important. The other thing I'm looking at relationships too and networks. I'm thinking of two things with that. You know, obviously strengthening your women relationships. I think women and women together are are pivotal in helping us all get through these different tough times of our lives. Of course, strengthening your home relationships, but also your professional relationships, mm-hmm. you know, get on board with a good naturopath, a good you know, primary care provider, you know, a good hormone specialist. Don't stop at, I'm sorry, I don't understand this, or I can't help you. Push forth. There's so many people out there who are struggling with these issues, and there are a lot of good providers out there. So I always tell my patients to, you know, build your networks, like to call your compounding pharmacist, find out who the good providers are in your neighborhood, and, and find somebody that you can work with. 
Kyle, Candice, I could talk to you all day. I have like a million questions running through my head. We're going to have to continue on with our conversations, but I'm really grateful for this opportunity to illuminate more of the issues related to menopause and how we as providers can help those suffering. Those numbers that you shared at the start, Candice, were really alarming. So we can provide support and I'm so grateful for all you shared with us today. Thank you. Thank you, Andrea. It was a pleasure talking to you. Real pleasure. Thanks so much. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is brought to you by me, Andrea Nakayama, and the Functional Nutrition Alliance. Check out the latest in functional nutrition at functionalnutritionlab.com forward slash blog. The 15-Minute Matrix is produced, mixed, and edited by Rowan Bradley with production support from Natalie Merrill and the team at the Functional Nutrition Alliance. You can find episodes on all kinds of topics with more incredible guests at our podcast website, 15minutematrix.com. And if you'd like to be notified by email each week about our podcast releases, head on over to 15minutematrix.com forward slash notify. Also, please feel free to get in touch with us. We would love to hear your thoughts, your feedback, and who you'd like to hear on the next podcast. You can email us at ask at 15minutematrix.com.